Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today. Cork Today. With J.P. McNamara on C103. And good morning, welcome to Thursday's Cork Today. It is JP until one in for Patricia. She's back again on the show tomorrow, but your views are welcome if there's something you want to raise on this morning's show. Or Bernie taking your calls right now on comments on 0818 103 103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And ahead on the show this morning, Uber for Ireland. Fresh calls to have the Uber driver service in this country. And this basically, what Uber is, is anyone can drive a car and be out in the day or the night and in a way become a taxi where people will book your car under the Uber app. Now, it's quite successful in many other countries across the world, but why is there new calls for this in Ireland? Well, I'm sure over uh, the last four weeks, whether it was a meet-up with friends or a Christmas party or whatever it was, a lot of people are feeding back that they could not simply get a taxi, be that across Cork City or indeed across Cork County, uh, if you were able to walk home, people did. A lot of saying, you know, that's not a safe option as it once was, uh, but many had no choice. And also it did affect a lot in the hospitality sector who feel uh, people are no longer going out for a meal or to their local bar or wherever simply because they know they can't get home. So it is becoming a problem. A lot of those within the taxi industry, and it's a generational thing as well, have retired over the last three to four years, a lot during the pandemic. So will Uber help the situation? Now, uh, many are in the hospitality, first of all, recording for this. Also, Councillor Sean O'Donovan, who sent us an email earlier this week, he feels the reason for some, not all, but the reason for some why towns and cities were quite over uh, the Christmas and New Year's period is because because of the lack of taxi services across uh, Cork, both city and county. So discussing that, your views are welcome. Also, I'd like to hear from taxi drivers because uh, for taxis, they must pay a licence. They must make sure their car is up to scratch with the NCT version for taxis every year, every two years. Uh, So while there's a, a lot of cost for those who run taxis, if Uber came in, would it make the situation worse for taxis? But then could it improve the situation uh, for the public who want to get home after our night out? Your views are welcome on that. And let us know your stories across various uh, parts of the city and various county towns and villages across the morning. And Councillor Sean O'Donovan will join us shortly on that issue. Also, we've got calls over the last uh, few days 
And this is fears of contamination in the water supply to Formoy. Now, we'll discuss that later in the programme as well and, and what's been done to prevent anything happening to the uh, water supply in Formoy. And there is fresh calls from the families who lost their loved ones in the Whitty Island disaster 44 years ago uh, for a fresh inquest and inquiry. Last Sunday was the anniversary and people still remember where they were at that time of the explosion, but more so uh, the families who lost their own in that disaster. Uh, one of those is Michael Kingston, who's a maritime expert who has joined us before on this and continues to campaign uh, for the families affected. He'll join us later in the show. Also, our Gardafal and a pet advice with Jane after 12.30. If you have a pet in your household and you have a question for Jane, we'll get that into us across the programme on 0818 103 103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 or email Cork Today at c103.ie. But it would be wrong of me not to continue the programme this morning uh, without mentioning our own Potty Palmer, who was laid to rest yesterday uh, after a beautiful Mass at St. Mary's Church in Inner Shannon and in the adjoining cemetery. He uh, remained uh, for his uh, final resting place, uh, surrounded by his loving family, uh, extended family, and all his neighbours and friends, and so many who uh, turned up yesterday. And it was Father Finbar Crowley who was saying the Mass. And, you know, he, he, Father Finbar knew Paddy well over the years. And he summed it up very well yesterday where he said that Paddy brought the same joy to every occasion. And Father Finbar said he just got it right. Whether it was a Junior C match from some unknown village or the Senior Hurling Final, it made no difference to Paddy or his listeners. There was the same excitement, the same sense of community, absolute joy. Joy, an awareness that a small village could celebrate victory as much as the biggest club in Ireland and for the people unable to be there for this maybe for a lot of uh, local GA clubs a once in the lifetime celebration and they were at home tuned into Paddy Paddy's words will forever echo in their dreams and memories and he did not take that responsibility lightly. Uh, Father Finbar continued yesterday at the Mass to say that Paddy reached out to the underdog, the Fremonts, the Ardfields, the Goleans, those small communities and how Paddy celebrated those victories and we are all celebrating uh, with him on those victories and he brought those who were not even from the community, he brought those into that community to celebrate and give them a sense of pride and we all know, says Father Fimber, having experiences of success wherever we are, the joy it brings a community uh, be that those outside or inside and for that we're very grateful to Paddy who grabs the grabs the opportunity first of all to deliver it and his style of delivery but also got that sense of community and something else that Father uh, Fimber uh, even said yesterday that I'm sure a lot of you would agree with. Uh, I mean, there is something uh, intimate about radio that brings a voice into our lives, but only if that voice is ready to make itself at home, said Father Fimber. And that was the case with Paddy because he gave so freely of himself, sharing his wish, a sense of fun and forever guiding his turns of phrase. And his daughter, Claire, uh, very brave stood up and uh, spoke at the towards the end of uh, the mass yesterday and uh, she said beautiful words about her dad and towards the end she said that you know the family they will find the strength to get through this know that we love you very much and we're proud to call Paddy Palmer our dad sleep tight 
all our love, your three girls. And that's something he would have said and anybody that knew him, if you were at an event, uh, whether it be uh, a match or one of the many events he attended, when it was time to go, he'd always say, right, I must head now and go home to my three girls. And it was beautifully put yesterday uh, by Claire and her sympathies to Claire, Emily, uh, Claire, his wife and their extended family and uh, everybody who uh, knew Pauline who was there yesterday. Quite an emotional day for everybody involved, uh, but a beautiful send-off nonetheless. And if he was here now, he'd be saying, JP, let's move on now with this to get out of here fast. So let's do move on with the show this morning. And uh, for Paddy, may he rest in peace. And something that uh, caught our eye this morning in the Irish Farmers Journal, and Bernie was discussing this with me earlier on, and we're all being told to cut back on emissions. We're all being told, if you can at all, uh, don't drive to work, get a bus, even though well, easier said than done. Uh, over Christmas, how many of us tried to get a bus and they were being cancelled due to traffic in many areas or just not turning up? Uh, so, you know, when you try to do your best, uh, then you can't get the service. You'd wonder then, uh, why are they telling us to use public transport when it's not available to us? Uh, but we're being told not to burn coal. We're being told not to burn turf, you know, there's been bans and sales of turf uh, that caused a lot of upset over the last year or so in uh, this country. But while all that's going on and we're being told to be better and become more green, uh, in the Farmer's Journal reporting this morning, and I suppose they are taking an agri view on this, and farmers who have been told and I mean, given out to about their greenhouse gas emissions and the cuts will be underway. Well, it seems Ireland's single biggest emitter, Money Point, uh, the power station, it pumped out three. 2.2 million tonnes of greenhouse gases in 2021, a 68% increase in the power plant's 2018 level, and it seems the ESB's commitments remains firmly geared towards providing power rather than worrying about the CO2 output. Now, this week, there's a massive 190,000 deadweight tonnage ship loading at Money Point, and where did this ship sail from? It sh- sailed from the far east of Australia with a load of coal so just think of the carbon footprint first of all from far east Australia uh, over here to Ireland and then unloading a load of coal now they were contacted the ESB was about how much coal was on this ship but for commercial reasons they could not uh, reveal that so while we're all being told cut back you know don't drive get a public transport if you can don't burn coal, uh, don't burn turf, you know, banning this, banning that and yet we're importing coal from Australia and uh, the carbon footprint then that that would have uh, just travelling from, uh, by ship even from Australia to Ireland uh, while we're being told to do the opposite. So a lot of anger I'm sure in many communities when that story is coming out this morning and also while we see our hospitals unfortunately still struggling to cope, uh, the HSC and their own uh, trolley uh, counts uh, have told us that many patients still remain waiting over 24 hours for a bed in 17 hospitals yesterday. Uh, there was nine in CUH yesterday waiting for that bed while things are improving slowly. Uh, there's still a, a massive issue. And that's not only here in Ireland, it seems to be across the world. Uh, there's issues when it comes to hospital services. But here, obviously, we're, we're quite concerned about what's happening locally. And again, you know, it goes back to decisions that were made over the years. You know, when you do cut back in local services, 
case for us here in Cork in Mallow and Bantry hospitals, it was said that it would have a huge impact on city hospitals as those then within county areas would have to travel into already very busy hospitals and what was said a number of years ago has been happening for the last two to three years in particular this year because of rising flu cases but you know they didn't listen then and a bit late to be crying now uh, about their services in hospitals when they were told by the public who said this would happen but they did not listen and a lot of people have concerns about the accommodation that Ireland is providing to those who are seeking refuge here in this country from other countries. Well, uh, the government and the cabinet were meeting in Farmley House in Dublin yesterday and uh, the day before, I think, as well. But anyhow, uh, they themselves have admitted that they're growing uh, and they themselves have fears that the government is going to run out of accommodation. Uh, first of all, for Ukrainian arrivals uh, due to be increasing the, over the next number of weeks, but also for others who are arriving here from various countries and uh, Taoiseach Lee of Radker has warned that the government uh, may not be in a position to guarantee accommodation to everyone who arrives in the country and that's just the reality of the situation. He said they will do their best to care for people and provide them with shelter as best they can and provide children with education but on an ongoing basis it will be difficult to accommodate everybody who does wish to travel to Ireland and while there was a fall off in refugee numbers arriving over the Christmas period it is again expected to increase uh, over the next number of weeks and also the hotels who have been offering uh, their rooms and services for those refugees, a lot of those hotels now are going to revert back to tourism businesses from March so that then leaves the government with another problem if people are coming into this country but at the moment uh, many in government are saying they will struggle to cope um, in particular from March onwards when those hotels that are already housing refugees will return back uh, to business and welcome tourists uh, rather than refugees. And very finally, all those who are from various Cork schools who have travelled to Dublin to take part in the BT Young Scientist competition. Cork does very well in this over the years. A number of schools have won out and we wish everybody uh, who's taken part the very best of luck across the next few days. Our lines are open 0818 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. On the way, we will be discussing the issue of Uber and should Uber be introduced to Ireland. But just want to mention, first of all, uh, I suppose a big get well from a lot of people who are wishing Michael Flatley the very best because he has undergone surgery for an aggressive form of cancer, well-known Riverdance or ex-Riverdance star. And he lived for a, a number of years at Castle Hyde, just outside Fermoy. And he would have, over uh, his lifetime being a long time supporter of cancer charities and would have you know raised funds for them over the years and now he is recovering after treatment uh, for being diagnosed with what they're describing as an aggressive form of cancer so we wish Michael Flatley the best of luck and who'd have thought that in recent findings uh, from the company Digital Funnel uh, they have been going through the search engines uh, for Ireland mainly Google and their search data for the last 12 months to find out Ireland's most royal family obsessed town and it seems Mallow is so Mallow uh, they are the town that has the most obsession with the royal family maybe more so now with all that's coming out from Prince Harry 
Uh, Carrick Line though was in there as well at number 7 in the list uh, but Mallow tops the whole country for being obsessed with the royal family if you want to read more about that you can go to c103.ie or indeed check that story out on Instagram on c103's Insta but on the way the uh, Uber and if you found it hard to get home after a night out over Christmas just find it in general hard to get out and get around because of the lack of taxi the lack of taxi services across Cork City and County your views are welcome on this or if you're a taxi driver, do you feel this is a good idea or a bad idea? I would presume bad for taxi drivers considering the amount they must pay to run their taxis. Anyhow, your views are welcome. We'll discuss that next. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. With so many experiencing problems getting home from Christmas parties last month due to the lack of taxis, yet again there is another call for Uber to be introduced to Ireland. Councillor Sean O'Donovan joins me. Good morning to you, Sean. Good morning, John Paul. And thanks for joining us because you emailed us earlier this week and you make the point about Ireland's communities, both urban and rural, and that they're built on social interaction. So do you feel that this has been eroded due to the lack of transport available to people, especially over the last three to four years? It is, it is, John Paul. Um, I suppose we've all experienced um, being out uh, socialising either in a restaurant or a bar or whatever and then the issue is trying to get a taxi or a hackney home after it's it's almost impossible. In some time, some some towns, it actually is impossible because there isn't a service there. You know, it just makes it very difficult for um, for people socialising and and for hospitality in general. And your call for Uber to be introduced, which does run successfully in many other countries across the world, and this is where someone can maybe make extra money uh, because they become a driver for a night and you book then the Uber on your own mobile phone, on an app on the phone, and that person then will come to meet you wherever you are. Uh, that would be something that would solve a lot of these issues. It would. Um, it absolutely would. And of course, like they would have to be insured and, and regulated and pay tax and all the rest of it. Everything has to be above board. But it, it would run, it would run. I suppose it would complement the taxi service that's there already, like that are under pressure at peak times. But like a lot of um, Uber drivers around the world, they they might just work one day a week or a few hours for two or three days a week. It's not a full time job for them, you know. And it's just a great service. And um, as you say, you just book them on your app, and, and the money comes out of your account. So there's no cash exchange. Um, it, it's just just a great service. It's running in. Ten and a half thousand cities around the world, and uh, just the t- Minister Ryan and the tax regulator won't allow it to run here in Ireland. And have they ever given an, uh, an explanation of why they won't allow Uber in? Um, not that I'm aware. Um, like their Uber Central of Alex- of um, Ele- the Centre of Excellence is in um, Limerick. It's isn't based it? in Limerick. Yes, yeah. sorry, John Paul. Based in Limerick, and there's four hundred people working there, so we're happy to have them. Um, in Limerick but we're just not allowing them run um, their business and operate here in Ireland which I think is very unfair you know and the lack of taxis in rural areas isn't a new thing. I mean, uh, over the years and when we would have been growing up, if you were going out in, in Clonakilty or Dumanway or Skibberine or Bandon, it would be someone would drive. So if there was four people going out, one would drive one weekend, another would drive another weekend. And that's how people got to the nearest town to go out and get home again safely. Because as you've said, there, it just isn't enough taxis to go around for everybody. Uh, but as, as time has moved on, the taxi situation in rural areas hasn't really improved. 
I mean, taxi drivers would probably say it's a population issue whereby if there was a lot of taxis, they would not make a lot of money, so it's not sustainable. So while over the years people have done the option of driving home themselves or having a designated driver, Uber does look like the option whereby if it was allowed in, you would have more people going out. Would that boost the hospitality sector, do you think, Sean, from someone who has been in the sector yourself over the years? It certainly would. It certainly would. I know over Christmas, um, I wasn't out a lot myself because of no taxes being available to get home. A lot of taxi drivers have now um, taken the decision to do daytime work only, you know, um, and they're not doing the late nights. COVID has changed a lot, I suppose, as well. People have um, gone off and gone into different trades and stuff and left the taxi industry. Um, and I suppose it's just to complement the taxi service like they provide a great service but it's just a tea times rather than enough of them there you know so if we could get Uber in it certainly would help and it's not just about hospitality either John Paul it's about people like going to mass and stuff in the evenings or you know going to visit friends in their houses or whatever they, they just can't get back home so that doesn't happen anymore you know I know people like that just go to Kinsale every um, weekend a couple in Shannon they're friends of mine and they just go and um go for dinner or just go for a few drinks just to socialise um, in Kinsale every weekend and they're not doing it anymore because there's no guarantee they can get a taxi home so they just don't do it, you know. And would you feel while people are either going to their, uh, as you gave an example there, someone's house or to a local bar, uh, because of the lack of transport available, is that another factor on why the local Irish pub is closing? I know we see a lot of increases in the price of drink and Diageo out this week with a further increase but do you feel the transport issue is also a factor to play? It's a, it's a huge issue, absolutely huge issue. I suppose if we look at West Cork, I think uh, the, the nightclub in Bandon is the only nightclub that's left there now. Um, and again, like if you're at the nightclub, you just eat two o'clock in the morning. There's no there's no taxis. You can't get home, you know. So it's just a, a, a rapid decline. I think really in in the hospitality industry in in um, in rural Ireland, you know. Yeah, and as you mentioned, nightclubs there, I mean, they are something that is changing big time over the last number of years. And yeah, you're right, transport. I mean, I was out over Christmas and luckily there was a number of us going home and this was in the city. But because there was no taxis available to take us, we ended up walking uh, from the city centre to the city suburbs. Now, again, when there's a number of people with you, it's OK. Uh, but on your own, you, you wouldn't be so, you know, so, so brave enough these days to, to walk on your own at 2 a.m. or, or 1 a.m. in the morning uh, heading home after a night out. Uh, have you heard from taxi drivers, Sean, on this, uh, on the idea of bringing Uber? I mean, I already have a number of calls in here, one from a taxi driver in Bantry who says uh, Garda vetting would need to be considered as well for these uh, Uber drivers. Absolutely, I'd fully agree with that. Mm. Um, it, they would have to be Garda vetted, really, you know. Um, but, like, this, this, this isn't to take over from the taxi industry, whatever I know they're paying, like, for a taxi licence and paying huge insurance and stuff. Um, but it's just to complement um, them in, in peak times and to support the towns that don't have a taxi service at all, just like Bandon at night time. We have nothing in Bandon at night time, so it's to fill those gaps, basically, is where Uber should come in, I think, you know. And I was speaking to some taxi drivers over Christmas, and many say that they don't operate at night due to, and this may be more in, in the city than county areas, but a lot don't uh, go out at night due to antisocial behaviour, and they just feel it's not worth it. Yeah, I suppose there's a risk, I suppose, with that as well. We've seen it uh, not alone on, in taxis, but um, on, on the bus network as well and on the trains in Dublin we've seen antisocial behaviour, you know, but um, I suppose that's an issue for the, the Gardaí and stuff as well, you know. It's, mm. um, it, it's, it's an ongoing problem, I suppose, around the country in general, you know. And while 
many would agree Uber is uh, you know, a good system to bring in uh, more taxi drivers onto us who say you know, they have to pay for the licensing as you both said they need to have a tap and go system in place so their costs are increasing uh, every single year with further requirements from the regulator if Uber was to be introduced in this country many feel they just would go out of business as uh, people would choose Uber rather than a, than a taxi C- can you see their concern and, and would that be some of the concern from the taxi regulator and the government? Um, I can see the concern, absolutely. Um, but like saying that, John Paul, like they're they're operating in seventy two countries around the world, um, and those cities where they're those cities and towns that they're working in, um, there's also a taxi service, so they're running side by side, you know. And I, I just can't see why why it wouldn't happen here in Ireland. Yeah, no, I mean, most people do, do agree they can't see why both can, can run together. Uh, but I can see also the concern from the taxis because of what they have to go through and, and jumps they must, uh, or loop, uh, jumps they must through to get licenses, to get, you know, the NCTs and all of that. So I can see both sides of the argument. Uh, Cork County Council, can they come together, Sean, and call on the taxi regulator and on the Minister for Transport to meet and discuss this? Well, that's what I asked for. I asked our meeting on Monday, John Paul. I asked um, for uh, the county council to write to the minister and ask him to come into the chamber in Cork and like sit down with us and explain why um, why he thinks that Uber won't work and can't work in Ireland. And maybe he's got a different reason that we don't know. But I'd just like to hear from him. And there's like a lot of questions I'd like to ask him myself. So we were going to write to him and ask him to come to the chamber in Cork. So. We'll wait and see what happens on that, I suppose. You know? Yeah, because something needs to happen. In, you know, while we support the taxi industry, there's not enough of them at night time and that is having an effect on people who want to go from A to B. And as you say, it's not all about going to the restaurant or all about going to pubs. There's a lot of people who want to go to someone's house or, for example, as you mentioned, just simply to go to Mass on a Saturday evening and if, if they don't drive, they can't get there. Absolutely. Like Midnight Mass was on, on Christmas Eve there. Like, and I know a long time back I worked in a hacking service for um, a family business in Bandon and like we had a lot of calls going to Midnight Mass on Christmas Eve and stuff and that facility is now gone for those people so they can't go to Midnight Mass you know and and I just want to emphasise that it's like for towns like Bandon and other towns around rural Ireland that don't have a taxi service at night that's where Uber should come in and, and fill that gap, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, I know the National Transport Authority uh, in the last number of days have launched pilot schemes in some areas of the country. New Market is one of them where they will offer a type of transport system like a taxi service. Uh, you, you welcome that, but also Mary, uh, she thought Uber was already here. She says in Yole, she has seen a people's carrier driving around with Uber written on the side of it. Have they had any temporary services running across the country are you aware of? No, well, so, like, they've they've launched in Ireland, basically, but it still goes through the taxi service that we already okay. have, so it's not a new, um, it's not like an Uber that you'd use in America or whatever like that, you know. I get you, so it's a taxi it's will, will come. Yeah, yeah it's, it's yeah, not actually, yeah. so if I was beside, deciding to come an Uber driver for, I don't know, a Friday and Saturday evening, uh, that would not, it wouldn't be me going out, it would be a taxi driver going out, so at the moment, that's where they're operating. That's where they're operating. You'd have to have your taxi license and your taxi place and all that, you know. Okay, well, let us know uh, what you get back if Minister Ryan does decide to join you in uh, the uh, hall of County Hall. And uh, I'd love to know the explanation of why they're not allowing Uber in. But anyhow, we'll wait and see if they come back to you for the moment. Sean, thanks for joining us this morning. Yeah, just before you go, if you don't mind, I'd just like to um, offer my condolences to all of you there at C103 and the sad passing of Paddy Palmer um, over the last couple of days. 
um, and to your listeners, he was a, a great man, actually, a teacher of mine in St. Brogan's in Bandon as well. Um, a very, very nice, great teacher, one of the few classes that you'd look forward to him to. He was, he was just unique, I suppose, you know, so I just want to offer my sympathies to and to yeah, your listeners, please. You're very kind, John, and we, we appreciate that. And yeah, he was a one-off, certainly, and we heard from so many people yesterday I met outside the church in, in Shannon, like yourself, who he taught over the years uh, and sh- who just enjoyed his style of teaching uh, and the way he made it interesting. And then also from the, the, the more popular side, I suppose, of him through his work here with us on C103. But I thank you, Sean, for that. Thank you, John. Take care. That is Councillor Sean O'Donovan. Your views are welcome on Uber. Would you welcome it? A lot of people on text feel it's something we do need uh, for a lot of towns to survive if you're looking at hospitality and the, the restaurant industry. But others are agreeing with Sean. Uh, for example, Isha, who's saying, yes, I agree. I would have loved to go gone to Midnight Mass in my local town. Uh, but unfortunately, there was no taxi service. Not everybody can be relying on friends and family. And uh, Betty is saying, I feel that a lot of people lose out socially due to the lack of taxis in particular rural areas. I feel that because there is no bus service in many county towns, something like this system should be introduced and many locals and many of those who are involved in local communities probably will become Uber drivers, says Betty. And you're right, yeah, a lot of those social activists that we have and a lot of uh, those people who were involved in the local community hall and, and whatever, they would probably get involved in this because they know people who would love to be uh, out and about on uh, maybe a Friday night and who can't and it's good for social. Anyhow, your views are welcome. 0818 103 103, lines open. Bernie taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818 103 a risk of contamination to the water supply in Formoy is a real concern to locals. We've got a number of calls over the last few days from locals in Formoy asking what indeed is going on. And it all follows an audit by the Environmental Protection Agency. Well, local councillor in Formoy, Noel McCarthy, joins me. Good morning to you, Noel. Good morning, John Paul. Good morning, listeners. And we're hearing from those in the region of Formoy. Uh, they're fearful, I suppose, when they hear of other areas of Cork that are, have a ball water notice in place or that they come on for six weeks and they're gone again. They're fearful of this. Uh, what's the current situation? The current situation, John Paul, I've been in touch with Irish Water um, over the last couple of days and with our own water section in Cork County Council and they've reassured me and to reassure the people living in the area and in Formoy that there is no threat to the water supply from Deep Park, which is Kuru, um treatment plant, that they're very happy with the water supply. There was an audit took place in November and the EPA, like you said, flagged it to say that there could be a problem with cryptus toparium or I, I'm not sure the right pronunciation of that, but it is a, a, a threat that this could get into the water supply, but they are monitoring it on a daily basis, and they've reassured me there is no threat to water supply at, at this particular moment. And they just wanted to say, John Paul, that if there was, they actually please themselves. So if there was a problem, and if they saw it and then realised that some action had to be taken, they would flag it themselves and contact the EPA and let them know. And God forbid then if 
if the water supply had to be stopped or a buy notice put in place, the water, water Cork County Council Water Services would make that happen and, and ensure that safety would be ensured at all times. And the audit by the EPA you mentioned, they pointed out also about measures not being in place by Cork County Council. This was an alert system, they said, whereby if the water quality did start to deteriorate, that they would be informed. Has that alert system been since? No, I, I've been on Irish Water. They are up there. It is a remedial, a remedial, um, a remedial uh, action plan that they have. That uh, you get on a list that you must um, be put on it. So we think and talking to the uh, council staff and um, the water services there. They're saying to get on this list would be a good thing because action then would be taken straight away. But I've been on Irish Water, as I said. They said they have plans in place to do this and put a barrier in place to protect it at all time, that there would be a system and an alarm put in place to let the council staff know that there is a problem. And this problem comes from surface water coming off the land and getting into supply. They've also been in contact with the landowners to um, to, to, to remind them of their responsibility, their statutory uh, obligations, and that's been carried out. So I do feel, and I'm confident that the landowners would, would take all precaution to stop this getting into the water supply. And do we know what timeline Noel we have for this then? I mean, as you mentioned, there is concern from uh, the EPA on what nutrients may be coming from agri-sources that could affect the supply, but also from the audit, when will those works we've mentioned be carried out? That's, look, we have a meeting, of the Northern meeting on next Monday, John Paul, and we're having, I'll be asking the questions on a time frame of that. Now, um, Irish Water, when I was talking to them, the communication um, section of it, they said they're sending us uh, information, emails and so on, and that information will be with the council uh, executive, hopefully for Monday, where we can ask more questions, get more information and put the general public out of fear that there's every precaution being taken that there'll be no threat to the water supply. Just not in Deer Parkwood anywhere, because I want to compliment the council staff, John Paul, we have a good water creator uh, in, in Formoy, John Sisko, I've been in touch with again in the last couple of years. He's a great man of knowledge and great, always takes his job very, very seriously, and I think they're the things we need to ensure to let people know that if there's any threat, I can assure you, they want to ensure it for everyone, they'll take precautions and contact the EPA themselves rather than waiting for them to come along and tell them that there is a problem. So all precautions have been taken. And while the EPA were obviously investigating this and were asking for the, these measures following this order to be put in place, are you concerned, Noel, overall at the amount of boil water notices that have been issued over the last two to three years? Uh, just looking at Cork alone, there's been a, quite a lot. There is. Uh, that, that is a problem for, for, for myself and all my colleagues. It comes up on numerous occasions at County Hall, at our own local, um, as I said, at the Mallow meetings and in my municipal district. It's always mentioned. Now, and like I was very surprised at the, the quick response I got from the communication. I want to thank Irish Water when I when I went in and inquiring about Deep Park and, uh, and Cool Raw Water Treatment Plant. Like, these are the things that we're saying all the time. Information and communication is vital for us as public representatives that we can share with the people but like there has been one we only have to look at Kilavolum where they have been in oil water notice for a long period of time now and like these things like that shouldn't happen if it's down to funding or war works must be carried out faster I think Irish water need to, uh, to take swifter action to ensure people will not be left for a long period of time like Kilavolum like they are at the moment 
with boiled water no it's not fair and it's a, a fair inconvenience to anyone that's on boiled water yeah it so, is and it's very, I know the community of Kilavon are quite angry that they're still on that uh, notice and still waiting to hear what exactly or when uh, the boiled water notice will finish so it's understandable now that communities would be worried first of all but also angry when a boiled water notice for maybe a week or two people understand but when it goes on this long it's not fair, and uh, mm. we know that as public representatives, and we we are we want to assure people of Killable and other areas as well in the county yeah, that yeah. we have we are getting every opportunity we get, we raise the matter. I know my colleagues and myself have raised the matter, and uh, for my municipal district and northern meetings and and, and the full council meetings, we are concerned, and it's not fair as you said. You can accept a period of time where things have to be sorted, but when it goes past four weeks, six weeks, or longer at this case in Kilavonan, it's totally unfair to these people. But I, I got some, we got some good news that there is works started, I think, in Kilavonan, and they're hoping to get onto the Mallow supply so that they can give them clear and clean water. And Any timeline on that? That's that, that again is the problem. That's where we are. We'll ask that question again. If the people from Kilavonan, I will ask that question again on Monday at our meeting, or even but if I could just say to Irish Water, if they could improve their communication and information at, with us, that would be a big help for everybody. And we know if there's a lack of funding or if there's a whatever it is, well, then we can go down that line and push with the government for that. But we need to get... I think people need to have a timeline, like mm. you were asking me, don't know, and some hope that they'll be back to normal, normality in the near future. And yeah. that's what it's all about. The timeline is a big thing, yeah. For the moment, no. Uh, thanks for joining us this morning on the programme. Thank you very much, John Thank Paul. you very Thank much. You. That is Councillor Noel McCarthy there joining us from Formoy. So at least uh, the water quality in Formoy is being dealt with and uh, uh, that uh, EPA audit, you know, hopefully nothing bad will become of that as they're working on the problem there and we'll wait and see what happens with Kilavolan and indeed other areas of uh, Cork County. Lines open, your views are welcome on 0818 103 103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Uh, JP in for Patricia right through until one. Bernie taking your call and comments on 0818-103-103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 and shortly we'll be hearing from families on why they are looking for fresh calls on their loved ones who they lost in the Whitty Island disaster 44 years ago last Sunday. They're looking for a fresh inquest and inquiry into this disaster. And we'll be speaking uh, to Mikey Kingston, who lost his dad in that disaster. He's a maritime expert and he'll join us shortly on the programme. But a lot of calls and comments in, first of all, to do with Uber and the introduction of Uber into this country. There's calls to have the service here in Ireland. It operates successfully elsewhere across the world, but it's not here in Ireland. Even though they have an office in Limerick, uh, the service isn't available to us. And mixed views on this when we spoke to Councillor Sean O'Donovan, uh, a lot of callers feel yes we need this they can't simply uh, go for a drink in the local bar anymore because there's no taxi service or go and meet their friends in their home or as we heard and as Sean heard uh, something as simple as going uh, to mass or service on a, a Saturday evening or an evening uh, that the taxi services aren't there for them as they used to be uh, so there is mixed views on this uh, let's go back to the uh, comment line and Margaret is in the West Cork area she says it is easy to see Sean O'Donovan does not have to worry about making 
making a living with a taxi in West Cork. When you take insurance, NCT and all the extras to push a taxi on the road, you have to be Garda Vetus. The car has to be fairly new. It's disgraceful to think anyone can start charging people for travelling in a car that may not even be roadworthy. And that's Margaret's fear uh, regarding uh, the introduction. If it was to come in, no talks of it as yet, but if it was to come in, uh, that that would be her worry with Uber. And as we heard from Councillor Sean O'Donnell, he is calling for a meeting of uh, the Transport Minister, Eamon Ryan, to come to County Hall and meet with councillors and give an explanation of why indeed the service is not here in Ireland. While Vera says her sons and daughters were home for Christmas to North Cork and they could not get a taxi in many of the towns to travel uh, in, for example, Newmarket or Kenturk or Rock Chapel. Uh, while Melissa lives in Mallow, she was out over the Christmas period found it very hard to get home some nights she had no choice but just to walk home due to the lack of taxis in Mallow uh, she welcomes an Uber type service for Ireland while Joe is in Kilmallock he says will Uber put the taxi drivers out of work many taxi drivers pay big insurance bills and are Uber drivers Garda Vettis uh, is Joe in Kilmallock asking well uh, and they would have to be Garda Vettis and that's something that those who are looking for the service to come to this country will you have to be Garda if you do decide to become an Uber driver. Uh, Jackie, uh, she feels Uber is needed. Uh, there is not enough taxis, but Jackie says, I can totally understand why taxi owners and taxi drivers would be frustrated with the service. But at the end of the day, if the public demands in the country really needs Uber and we have a lack of taxis and we are not getting a service from taxis, well, then they will really have to look at Uber being introduced to Ireland. We simply are not getting the service we need from taxis, says Jackie. Uh, while Donald says yes I understand the frustration from taxi drivers and what they rang in with earlier to your show JP but I do feel it's competition and no one should be afraid of competition uh, says Donald some of your calls and comments with regards to Uber if it was to be introduced to Ireland your views are welcome is it something you think would be a good idea and that people would be able to go out visit your friends or you know if you don't drive you can get around to areas uh, a lot easier than now where there seems to be a lack of taxis in many areas of Cork City and County and so many calls this morning to us and like Melissa earlier who had to walk home after our night out and again we've heard stories over Christmas from many who had to do that uh, and if there was more taxis maybe people would not be walking home but there is a, a, a evidence of a problem within the taxi industry at night time uh, when there seems to be a lack of taxis uh, not only in urban areas but also in rural areas and we spoke there regarding the Fermoy water supply and the contamination fears which is being dealt with at the moment but also and the fact that there are so many boiled water notices issued right across the county and city and indeed further afield across Ireland. Well, on this, uh, John says, it's no wonder we have problems with water quality in Ireland when we see all the cattle slurry being spread during the closed season. It's clear we have too many cattle on Irish farms and water quality will be an ongoing problem until the EU laws are strictly enforced. The alternative is going to be boiled water. 
Washer notices, says John on text to 86 while Maureen is in McCroom and she feels it's ridiculous still uh, that so many areas of Cork are under a boil water notice. She says it's unfair on hairdressers, on a number of businesses, on creches to one hour paying a lot more uh, for water and purchasing a bottle of water in stores. Uh, they are not even thought about when it comes to a boil water notice, says Maureen in McCroom. And just when you're mentioning McCroom, because I know McCroom at the moment the town itself is under a boil water notice that issue Irish Water say is going to be dealt with by the end of January I don't have an exact date but hopefully we will have soon uh, by the end of January that is due to be sorted anyhow and thank you Maureen for your call and then another person on to us earlier on this morning asking us is the Park Road in Mallow flooded and we're at the moment I presume it still is but it was uh, two hours ago and a lot of people asking where they get the bus now because of course the bus stop if you're in Mallow is on the Park Road well uh, that now there also is a bus stop on the near the roundabout on the main N20 uh, road from Mallow to Cork so if you're going to the Park Road for the bus you'll now be walking uh, towards the Annabella roundabout and there's a bus stop there now uh, just beyond the roundabout as you uh, head to Cork on the main N20 so that's where the buses will be going today and not on the Park Road due to the Park Road being flooded and uh, Pat on saying we can can't forget another great man who left us recently and that is Seamus Begley who brought joy to everyone and Pat we did mention Seamus earlier in the week uh, and we pay tribute to him and we'll be I'm sure a lot of the um, Irish country and Irish shows here will continue to pay tribute to him over the next few days and yeah he just was a, a great musician and I mean I suppose Mehill will be one of the more famous uh, albums he had over the years uh, that was in the early 90s uh, but he really did touch and really did play I think with so many uh, Irish artists, you know, from local artists uh, across Cork and Kerry to the likes of Mary Black and uh, the likes of Mundy. And I saw so many others that you would not have thought he would have played with, but he did over the years. And I actually got to s- saw him a number of times by complete accident uh, where he used to play in Dingle in Andraha Bjog which is a bar in Dingle and if anybody knows uh, th- that bar itself in the front of the bar the odd time well not the odd time but a number of nights but the odd night they would have uh, trad sessions and he often played there and you'd walk in and the Begley family would be there playing and there were just something special that people would gather around them and there was silence you know in a bar where people are talking yes there would be people muttering but there would be no loud talk because they were just simply listening uh, to the way they use play uh, the various musical instruments and the way they use sing so a very talented and yes another person uh, gone too soon only 73 he was so uh, yeah, rest in peace Seamus Begley somebody, asked, somebody else is on text here asking about funeral details I don't have exact funeral details yet but I'm sure when we do uh, they'll be on uh, announced anyhow on news services as well and thank you for your text to 0862103103 or you can call Bernie on 0818103103 and another part saying regarding the story that is out this morning when it comes to the junior minister Damien English who has now resigned as a junior minister uh, Pat feels I now feel that he needs to lose his position as a TD also for what he has done. 
uh, it's becoming a joke at the moment. Well, this is over, and I'm sure you heard this on news with Barry across the early morning bulletins of Fianna Gael's Damien English resigning. And the reason he has resigned is because of the revelations that have come this morning about a false information he gave to Meath County Council when it came to a planning application. Uh, he, in this planning application, to get permission for planning for a one-off rural house in County Meath, first of all, you have to be a local, but also you must show that you don't have a home and thus you don't need, you know, housing. So in 2018, Damien English submitted a plan, an application for his family home, but he never told the council that he already owned a property. And this has come to light yesterday. And Deputy English says he has reviewed the application and that it was wrong and that it's something that is not acceptable. So he informed the Taoiseach, who also agreed with him on this and said yes, that his position was untenable and accepted his his resignation and he spent about four years as a junior minister in the Department of Housing and more recently then he served in Enterprise as junior minister to Leo Varadkar before the uh, recent changeover uh, but no longer a junior minister is Fine Gael's Damien English due to that planning application going back to 2008 under Meath County Council Pat now feels that he uh, needs to go as a TD as well. Your views are welcome. 0818 103 103 or you can text or WhatsApp up 0862-103-103. C103 Jobs. A qualified electricians, they are required along with third or fourth year apprentices for Cork City. Call Laura on 083-1877-608 or you can email Laura at ocallahanelectrical.ie. A traffic management operative is wanted for the North Cork area. Full clean driving licence is desired. Full training will be provided. You can email your CV to info at swtm.ie. And an agricultural sales accountant manager is required for the ICMSA in Cork, Kerry and Limerick areas. Contact Joanna on 061-314-677 or you can email admin at icmsa.ie. You'll find these jobs and more online. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 Families of those who lost loved ones in the Whitty Island disaster 44 years ago are urging the government to order a fresh inquest and also a public inquiry. Maritime expert Michael Kingston, whose father Tim died in the tragedy, joins me this morning. Michael, good morning to you. Uh, good morning, John Paul. And thanks for joining us. And for a lot of people across the region, they'll remember where they were 44 years ago, uh, last Sunday. And still, this is very raw to the families like yourselves involved because you've written to the government, Michael, and on Taoiseach, and really demanding now that they take action and order new inquests. Uh, yes, John Paul. Um, the the thing about the Whitty Island disaster is that um, it's not disconnected to today's regulatory regime. And what infuriates the families, the main reason that caused the Whitty Island disaster was uh, monumental state regulatory failures that allowed a massive giant oil corporation to do as they pleased on Whitty Island. And we haven't learned... Um, those lessons. I work as an international maritime lawyer. Ireland are currently in breach of multiple 
international regulations, further people have died. We have a European judgment against our nation in 2020. I've been warning the government to fix this system um, for many years, and, it, and the correspondence has been um, ignored. We currently have two uh, buried reports um, in relation to the manner in which we've been investigating marine casualties, which prove that not one single casualty in Ireland has been investigated correctly, incidents such as the T-Bonhomme and Union Hall and fishing tragedies all over Ireland. Multiple families have been in touch with me. We've had systematic failures in relation to regulatory oversight that caused the death of Rescue 116 personnel who were effectively sent to their death, as has been highlighted recently. And there comes a point called stop. So um, the regulatory failures in Whitty Island um, were never taken into account in the inquests. Um, and, and, and so this is a matter very much um, in, in, in the public interest. Um, the physical cause of death was, was declared. So, for example, my father's death is um, asphyxiation due to accidental drowning. Well, it was about as much of an accident, an accidental dr- drowning, um, as, as um, it's obvious that there were reasons why that drowning took place. And, and those reasons were the regulatory failures and the surrounding circumstances weren't taken into account. It's, it's established under international law that you must take into account the surrounding circumstances. And all 50 deaths should have been declared as unlawful death. And at the time, reports were conducted, but as you mentioned there, uh, very clearly there was failures by the Irish state on the lead up to this disaster. Was anything ever released or were there ever fines or did anything become of those reports at the time or were they simply uh, brushed under the carpet? Well, what happened was two things happened when you went, um, in relation to the island disaster. Any, any person in Ireland that suffers a tragic um, death or an unusual death, there must be an inquest. So there were inquests into the deaths of the 50 people, but there was also a public tribunal. A public tribunal focused on the behaviour of the companies involved, but didn't focus and shine a light on the reprehensible regulatory failures that allowed them to do as they did. So Gulf Oil removed the bridge to the island. Um, They um, removed the safety tugs to 20 minutes away to the other side of Whitty Island at Whitty Point East, out of sight of the jetty, rendering them um, useless. They reduced the firefighting um, facilities on the offshore jetty from automatic um, and to manual, um, which meant that the uh, controller had to turn them on, and it was established in the tribunal that he was absent um, from his post. And so there there was no focus or um, or, or, um, accountability of the government for their their failures and and regulatory failures that allowed that to happen. The response plan that was in place, the emergency response plan, was a joke. Bantry Fire Brigade had to wait at Bantry Pier for 20 minutes for a boat and then another 20 minutes when they got to the island. Um, The Gulf Oil senior management... um, um, hoisted them off the first boat so that they could get out to the island as fast as they could, um, allowing them to wait for 20 minutes. And, and um, However, um, one or two Bantry Fire Brigade members remained on that boat and, and provided critical evidence as to the failures on the island um, in, in the tribunal. 
And then when it came to the in separately, the inquests, they were just a rubber stamped um, um, under the radar exercise that took place on the 12th of July 1979, before the findings of the tribunal had been. Um, 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 the report was published in, in 1980. They should have been adjourned until after the tribunal, and unbelievably, um, which I only discovered in December, the two witnesses in the 50 inquests that took place on the same day in Bantry Coroner's Court um, were two of the witnesses that perjured themselves um, in, in the tribunal and were subsequently charged with perjury. So, so the inquests are wholly unreliable. So, accordingly, we've written to the Taoiseach and the Attorney General is under an obligation to um, order fresh inquests under, under the Coroners Act 1962. And as you've written to you on Taoiseach and the government on this matter, have they come back to you or is it too soon that they've come back regarding where they are going to go next on this? Because uh, from what we've seen, everything released or not released, it still shows and highlights Ireland's failures around this disaster. So uh, are you hopeful that there will be a fresh inquiry uh, into what happens? Well, first of all, there has to be new inquests because there was no other factual evidence as to the circumstances and the um, times of the lead-up to the deaths of all 50 people other than the two people who perjured themselves in the tribunal. And so there is no evidence whatsoever, so they have to order uh, new inquests in relation, which is in the public interest Mm. for the reasons. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., it's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. about the ongoing regulatory failures. In relation to the ongoing regulatory failures, what has happened um, in, in relation to um, our failure to implement international regulation and that we have ended up with the Court of Justice of the European Union judgment against our nation where our 
uh, regulators deliberately kept themselves on the Marine Casualty Investigation Board, which has resulted in multiple further deaths across our nation. There has to be a public inquiry because every single um, um, investigation, and there are people listening to this in West Cork who have been party to tragedy, their, West, their investigations have not been carried out correctly. It is probably and almost definitely um, the, the, the biggest example of deliberate failure causing death um, that the Irish state has ever seen. So, John Paul, you asked me, will they respond? Well, it's incumbent on our, um, our members of the Oireachtas to put pressure on um, Minister Varadka or Taoiseach Leo Varadka um, and also Eamon Ryan and Pascal Donahoe because they have been the successful ministers for transport while, 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 um, while all, all this happens. And if, if, um, if, if um, there is, in relation to the inquest, we have the ability to apply to the High Court if the uh, Attorney General does not order um, fresh inquests. So one way or another, this will be sorted out. And while you and the families are obviously you know, calling for this, there's others as well who have been shocked at what has come out. A lot of it by your own research, Michael, over the last while. Uh, one of our former presidents of this country, Mary McAleese, she has voiced her concerns and says it's seriously crit- critical of the way the whole issue was handled and that something really needs to be done going into the future to get to the bottom of why everything you've said has not come out into the open. Yeah, Mary McAleese is a lawyer. She was um, an, an honourable lady as uh, president of Ireland. She was also the RTE reporter in 1979, and she was absolutely appalled at the uh, at the behaviour of the companies. Gulf Oil um, lied um, hour after hour, day after day in in in, in the tribunal. It was absolutely scandalous. Basically, a, a multinational company was allowed to walk all over us in Beth. Um, over everyone involved, the rescue services and the unnecessary danger they were put in, workers on the island, the people of Bantry, and, and she's disgusted. And she also, in the Fire in the Sky um, documentary, highlights very clearly, and, and let's remember she's the former president of Ireland for 14 years, the monumental state failures. So it is um, um, very... Um, easing and 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 and, and um, we are delighted obviously that we have the support of mary mcaleese and, and i have been liaising with her she is um a close contact of mine as i'm a director of the irish culture center in london and her um cousin is also a, a, a director and um we are working together at the moment to bring this to a, um, a conclusion so that the families can have closure and everyone else that's involved and all the rescue services that were put in perilous danger, that the, the, the people of West Bantry and West Cork are, um, are issued with, with, with an apology. And perhaps most importantly, that the ongoing deaths that are taking place across our nation um, are, are come to a halt and, and that the uh, officials in our Department of Transport are held to account made to put their hands up and, and say once and for all, we're wrong here, let's fix this system and let's make sure this never happens again.
True, and while there's the you know the call for inquests and an inquiry, and I have a lot of texts coming in here from people who remember exactly where they were uh, 44 years ago last Sunday. They can recall a loud type bang, not knowing initially what this was. But uh, there's a lot of uh, an emotional consequence, I suppose, Michael, for those who are left behind, and that's the families. And while we're here calling for inquests and inquiries, uh, families continue to mourn those regardless what comes out in income inquiries they, they won't get their loved ones back and there's many families listening to us today who are still saddened by the loss of their loved ones well I mean this is it we won't get our loved ones back but we will honour them by making sure this never happens again and we will have respect for them by implementing regulation in Ireland in a correct manner which was what ultimately was the major cause of 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 the um, disaster in the first place, and not to do so is dis- is disrespecting the dead, and and um, and we have definitively had um, had had further deaths, and it's well all the people of West Cork well remember this awful, awful disaster. They were the people who gave evidence at the tribunal that conclusively proved that what what Dalvoyle was saying was a pack of lies, that it was a quick firing explosion at five to one when a small fire started at half past 12 and everyone was left to die on the offshore jetty because the the safety systems weren't um, um, uh, started by the controller who wasn't in the control tower. And then that that evidence was then fabricated by um, other other employees and the idea was to um, divert liability to the tanker that it was a quick fire and an explosion and, and, and that no one could be saved. But the people of West Cork firmly established through their meticulous attention to detail um, that the, their small fire started and basically they proved that Gulf Oil um, were telling a pack of lies. And then when nothing was done that, about that um, by our government... There was a failure in the administration of justice. Certain members, Gulf Oil's operation manager, fabricated the truth. The Gulf Oil's general manager. No charges were brought forward. And when that did not happen, and the government did nothing about it, that mm. was a, 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 a total disrespect to all those people that are listening today that remember it and gave evidence at the tribunal. True. Well, hopefully they will listen this time and we'll have something more positive coming out from government on this. Uh, for the moment, Michael, thanks for joining us this morning and regards to you and your family and indeed all those affected by this uh, tragedy. Thank you, John Paul. Can I just say, mm-hmm. uh, if you have two seconds, yeah. I'm acutely aware that your colleague, um, Paulie Palmer, passed away on the anniversary of the Whitty Island disaster. And I'd just like to say he was the epitome of enthusiasm and his zest for life was so evident in his work with the GAA, relishing everything in front of him on the hallowed turf of our culture, of which he is an irreplaceable component. And he left everything on the field of play. And my thoughts and those in Goleen, London, the GAA Provincial Council of Mission and Ulster, twin, twin with Britain, are with the Palmer family. And of course, with colleagues at C103 96 FM and the Evening Echo and colleagues and students in Bandon, 
and may he rest in peace. You're very good, Michael, and we we appreciate that. And as someone living in London, like so many others, I'm sure because you weren't able to get home for a lot of the matches, local games that were being played, he brought that sense of community from wherever it was played here in Cork to those abroad. And that was something very special, bringing a bit of Ireland to you in London or in Sydney or wherever you were. Unbelievable. And... You know, the effort that it takes to be ready on a constant basis to go and do that is a, effectively a, a, almost a public servant um, was was just astonishing. And he um, he brought that message and brought that local, um, that, that connection with our, our place of, of, of birth and home uh, across the airwaves to into houses, as you say, in London and and for the Irish diaspora, and, and he is, he'll, he'll be a, a, an awful loss, but will always be remembered, and as I say, an irreplaceable component of Irish culture. Indeed. Uh, for the moment, Michael, thank you for those kind words, and uh, we will, I'm sure, uh, chat to you soon uh, with something more positive when it comes to the Whitty Island disaster from the government Thanks, for the John moment. Paul. Thanks for joining us. Take care. Thanks very much, John Paul. Take care. Take care. That is a maritime expert uh, joining us from London, uh, Michael Kingston, of course, originally, though, himself uh, from Goline. Uh, your uh, views are welcome. 0818 103 103. Our lines are open. Bernie taking your calls by phone. You can always text or WhatsApp 0862 103. 103 or email across the show Cork Today at c103.ie will be joining uh, Sergeant John Kelly next in for my Garda station for this week's Garda Files. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818 Time for this week's Garda File. I'm joined by Sergeant John Kelly from for my Garda station. Good morning to you John. Good morning, John Paul. And you're welcome. And first of Thanks all, you're starting me. off this uh, week and indeed for yourself for the new year with something that was happening towards the back end of 2022, John. And this is, again, where we're seeing people who pull up at a petrol station uh, fill up but drive off. Yeah, we're, uh, early in the new year, we're after two of them. Both of them were down in Middleton. One was on the 6th of January. One was on the 7th of January. And when you think about it now, I suppose any average drive off is now in the region of with the cost of fuel probably in the region about 80 euros. So, you know, it has high consequences for any garage owner. So I'd be saying to people just to keep an eye on it, um, just to monitor it, make sure now that we're at the start of the year that their cameras, their CCTV is in good working order and it's able to capture all entrances, exits from the garage and that it's capable of showing um, the registration number uh, of any cars entering or leaving the premises. In, in, and that's in all weather conditions, you know. So just ensure that your CCTV is in good working order for that reason, you know. Yeah, and a huge amount of money. I mean, you mentioned 80 euros there. Uh, that can be a lot if you have a number of drive-offs over a period of time. It's, it's a big loss to a, a local company. Uh, absolutely. And uh, I have seen in the past places where CCTV wasn't working properly and suddenly um, they were experiencing a lot of drive-offs and it turned out when they got a new CCTV some of those drive-offs were, were coming from 30 to 40 miles away because news of it had spread. Oh, so they were aware that the CCTV yeah. system wasn't in place and people would drive Absolutely. there on purpose? Absolutely, yeah. Oh, yeah, I okay. saw that a number of years ago. Um, so, look, I'd say to people, make sure that your CCTV is working effectively and that it's able to pull up the number number plate in all uh, conditions, you know. And, um, yeah, there's some very, very good 
CCTV systems out there now and just make sure that you're up to date and you constantly keep up to date. Into and just keep checking on it, I suppose, to make sure it is working. Something else that is on the increase, unfortunately, since the New Year's period is online fraud. It continues, John. Yeah, there's a clear trend, you know, on emerging and it's emerging, you know, with the last couple of years that uh, as, as kind of physical crime decreases, online crime is going up, you know, and I'd say to people, be very, very clued in if they're dealing online, purchasing something online or, or just in general, you know, researching something with a view to buying. Um, this this occurred on the 6th of January below in Middleton and this is where an individual put up a PlayStation 5 uh, for sale on Dundee. Uh, he got a WhatsApp message very uh, soon afterwards from a person uh, interested in purchasing the item. Um, this person then sent a link to him to input his bank details you know, for payment. Uh, he inputted his Revolut account uh, details and subsequently uh, 200 euro was taken out of the Revolut account and in what was a first for me, rather than being transferred to uh, some bank account maybe overseas or somewhere else, but was in, in, in put into a, a Merc, uh, Mercurio um, a cryptocurrency account. So, you, you know, so uh, just for people to be very, uh, you know, they're very hard from, you know, there's they're very hard from a guard point of view to um, to investigate as well because I know in one speaking to a member there last year who was investigating the case within 48 hours money that had gone um, online had gone through something like six bank accounts from various jurisdictions not just Ireland but I think uh, in that case Lithuania, Germany and um, uh, the UK as well you know So once so it goes into it, cryptocurrency John is it tougher for the uh, Guardi or other police forces across Europe to, to track where it goes or, or where it's well, going into that, Yeah that is the case yeah. that is the case you know there's a huge huge amount and when you consider um, that with, with, with some amounts if there's if there, you know small amounts well the amount uh, that could be spent investigating them could be multiples multiples of that you know um, so I, I say to people, be very, very careful. And if they're sent any links to bank accounts, or, or you know, for that, do not, under any circumstance, put in your bank uh, details like that. You know? Yeah, be very careful with those links. I think it's something that we'll have to become more aware of as time goes on because people still, unfortunately, John, are getting caught despite all the warnings. People still click on links and into their bank account details. And once you put in your own bank account details, it's your hard-earned money. Uh, once you hand that over to someone, uh, you know, that they, they have access and they can take anything out. It's the same as Absolutely. just giving them over their bank of cash. Yeah, and it's advice that we have to consistently keep giving, you know, because... Mm. Uh, you know, and we just have to keep emphasising, please, please watch out for scams like that. They are going to multiply in the future, you know. Um, on the 11th of January there, we had another, in just a similar vein, a person received a phone call purportedly from here. And of course, uh, in this case, told them that they were due a refund. And um, I suppose when a person hears a refund, um, they maybe are inclined to be more amenable to giving bank details. So in this case, they gave their bank details, but instead of getting a, a refund, obviously, as you'd expect, um, there was €800 Euro taken from their account. You know, so again, uh, be very, very careful of, uh, you know, of scams like that, you know.
Indeed, and just be extra careful with emails as well that come in from people just ensure the email address that when you look at it, it does correspond with the company that it doesn't look like a air at hotmail.com or one of those because I know we get calls here from people who get caught via email too. So just, just be extra careful these days. Uh, on both. Exactly, and, and hover over the link. Hover over mm. the link. Uh, put your cursor over the link to see exactly, you know, where, where it is coming from, you know. And John Paul, I just want to mention as well, I mean, driving conditions out there are, you know, we've had almost unprecedented levels of rainfall. Uh, in, in the last couple of months and you know it's quite clear that as you're driving country roads considerable amounts of damage have been done you know a lot of potholing uh, has has occurred uh, you know and I suppose if there's any gradient on the road and there's water running down the side of it obviously little bits and pieces of the side of it has been stripped away so people please keep down your speed drive carefully there is a I, I suppose people are tempted in if they can't see the edge of the road that they will keep out but, I mean, in keeping out, if the guy coming the other way is, is keeping out as well, well, you know the consequences of that. You know, so for people, keep down the speed, you know, drive careful. And, um, you know, if, if there is any area flooding on the road, we'll just be very, very careful going through it. Um, you know, d- quite a lot of damage can be done, particularly to tyres, and you don't want to be changing a tyre at the side of the road 12 o'clock at night on a country road. You know, so for people... P- people just bear that in mind. Yeah, to, to, to be careful at the moment, yeah, and as you say, it is, and it's on all roads, but the minor roads are, are worse affected at the moment, so just take care of that. John, as always, uh, thanks for joining us, and we'll chat to you again in two weeks. Thanks, John Paul. Thank, Thank you. you. That is Sergeant John Kelly there, uh, joining us from Formoy Garda Station with this week's Garda file. Finbar in Bantry says, God bless Michael Kingston in his quest for justice. Uh, so many behind him here in Bantry, says Finbar in Bantry. The text on 0862 103 103. You can WhatsApp on the same number or call Bernie on 0818 103 103. And on the way after midday, we'll be hearing from a number of callers and your views are welcome on this. And this is to do with, uh, it's a print of Michael Collins and it's going back to, I would imagine, the time about when 1916, when uh, Ireland was uh, trying to become an independent country in that era. And it shows Michael Collins, which at the time would have been wearing a kind of an army type uniform, I suppose you could say. But this is turned into bright pink colours and it shows him carrying designer shopping bags and it seems this is being used to promote a retail event in Dublin but a lot of people feel it's incorrect to be using uh, the late Michael Collins' image in something to this nature and changing what he was wearing into bright pink colours and some feel maybe is it a mockery and would it be done in other countries if you used to welcome on that many of you may have seen the image it is online uh, and it is being used for an event in Dublin but uh, many feel that this is incorrect and insensitive your views are welcome on that we'll discuss that and more after midday you can call us on 0818 103 103 text or whatsapp 0862 103 it's Cork Today until 1. JP with you. Bernie taking your comments on 0818 103 103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 and Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket will be joining us after 12.30 if you have a question for Jane, maybe a pet in your household playing up or just a simple question for her, get those into us as well on those numbers. A lot of calls and comments into us over the last while on our first discussion this morning to do with Uber. And this was regarding if Uber should be or should not be allowed into Ireland. I'll get back to those very shortly. Uh, but we got a number of calls and emails over the last day or so.
And this is with regards, maybe some of you saw this uh, online. It's a very visual image and it's of uh, Michael Collins and he is wearing what would have been a uniform back on, I presume, back around uh, 1916. Uh, But that uniform is turned into pink and it shows him carrying designer shopping bags. And this seemingly is being used to promote a retail event in Dublin next week. Uh, Charlene has uh, emailed us saying she feels this this is very disrespectful to him and whoever did this, while they might have a good intention, it is coming across wrong with this promotion. A lot of people feel it's disrespectful. Jerry uh, joins us uh, this morning, this afternoon at this stage on our comment line. Good afternoon to you, Jerry. Morning, John Paul. And thanks for joining us. You also got in contact with us regarding this and you feel, like Charlene and others, that this is disrespectful and maybe shouldn't have got to go ahead. Absolutely not, John Paul. Like the picture that people would be familiar with would be the green uniform um, that's portrayed throughout our nation as you know, as one of his popular photographs, mm-hmm. carrying the revolver on his right um, side, and their shopping bags put into his hand, obviously um, painted in there, and the uniform and his hat as well has gone pink, like national hero. Would would that be allowed in other countries? Um, I think it's very disrespectful, very inappropriate for a picture to be used like that. And I have looked to try and find the event in question in Dublin. I can't seem to get my hands on any information on it. But like I said, I think it's very inappropriate. Yeah, no, yeah, and it is that the event isn't isn't well publicised. It is a, an artist, it seems, in Dublin or and the east side of this country was behind this. Um, I know there is a lot of well-known, like Dior is one of them on the bag, but they have mm-hmm. nothing to do with this, it would seem. Uh, it, it was just put there by the artist in question. Uh, so while the retailers mentioned in it are not officially behind this, it is giving a bad impression. I think a lot of people, as you say, a jury, are saying you wouldn't see this happen in other countries where a general in their day of a fight for independence would be used or their image used in this way absolutely and like I said um, it should be immediately um, taken down or or whatever the case may be um, like it is a print produced by a person called Wilson Ledger but like I think very inappropriate especially you know coming on the back of an amazing celebration of for 100 years which changed Irish history you know, in my opinion. And I'm just looking here online on adverts.ie and other websites. You can actually buy this print in a frame as well. Yes, you can. I see that as well. Um, but like, you know, even the feedback that I see on some of them, you know, the comments, I don't think there was one positive comment of that photograph. Um, like I remember reading one day yesterday evening, is there anything left sacred in this country? And I think, does that say what most people are thinking? Yeah, that we don't respect our own regards to what many would say here. And they are saying that this afternoon to us, Jerry, so many fought and lost lives over <laughs> those years for this country, for the battle for independence. And then over just over 100 years on, uh, we have a situation where, would you say a mockery, Jerry? Would you go that far of the uniform and indeed the mighty Collins? Completely. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. You know, um, like you could go strong, you could use stronger words possibly, but like I said, a pure mockery of of Michael Collins and what he stood for. It should be absolutely like there should be 
nearly government involvement just to revoke it immediately, like I said. It's, in my opinion, as, as a lot of other opinions out there, seems to be gathering the same momentum. Yeah, and a lot of people agree with you there as well. Um, jury saying, another jury that is saying, I, I do feel our government should be stepping in on this one and showing that this is a lack of respect. Pat says, is nothing sacred anymore? I suppose that is why this is being done. Is it just being done to get a reaction? Uh, for God's sake, could they just leave the big fella rest in peace? While Nicole says that this is done in very bad taste, very wrong. Surely when uh, they decided they were going to use an image they could have used or done something else not with what they have done to General Michael Collins it just sets a bad taste in people and uh, Laura saying obviously this was done elsewhere in the country and if you look it's a Dublin event JP you mentioned not a Cork event it would not be done down here uh, do you feel as, a, as Laura's kind of touchy and maybe a, uh, an out of touch to in some parts of of this country to what actually happened and, and maybe other parts of Ireland are, are, are more in tune with our history I suppose possibly John Paul but then again, you only have to go over to Bill Blah at any day, any seven days a week, 365, short of me passing it at two o'clock in the morning, there'll be somebody there. And anyone you speak with there, they'll have a story. And they're from Dublin, they're from Donegal, they're from USA, they're from Chicago, wherever. So, like, we can't play, you know, the kind of, I knew nothing about it. You know, if people from America and all over the world attended the event and are continuing to make their plan their holidays around visiting Bail and Blah. Well then you know, people in Dublin can't be kind of claiming ignorance from that. In my again it's only my own opinion. Yeah, but I think that's a good point there when you bring up regarding tourism because many will see that now online and wonder what are we doing with the altering, altering even all that image. And I mean, you are right. I mean, when I pass Benablaw myself, if I'm ever travelling from North Cork to West Cork or travelling home, it's a, a road I would use. And there is always someone there. Uh, since they have done up the site, there's a lot more people visiting the site. So if they see what we're doing, it just shows a disrespect from his own country. Absolutely. And like I said, you know, the tourism is a huge factor, but uh, the, the tourism, most of the people that I spoke with there over the last while, they have some connection. They know somebody, they have a family member that has a story, like I said, and that's our history. And like in, like the word that you use and I'm using as well, mockery. Um, and again, like what goes on the Internet, it stays on the Internet in 100 years time, 50 years time. And I think it's belittling what has been fought hard for in this country. Okay, well, we'll see what others make of that, Jerry. Thanks for raising it uh, on the show John, today. Yeah, Paul, just before I go, and I know it's been said time and time again, uh, respects to Polly Palmer's family, yourselves at C103 there, a legend is no understatement for what he managed to produce and the happiness he created in people's homes all over the world on a Sunday or a Saturday or even a Monday with Patricia there going back my sympathies to every one of you uh, you're very kind Jerry and thank you for those words Okay. Take, Take care. care. Mind yourself. Uh, that is Jerry there on our, our comment line to 0818 103 103. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Uh, so your views on that, on, on that print version that has come out of General Michael Collins back in and around 1916. The uniform you're all aware of, the green uniform, now is in pink colours and he's carrying designer shopping bags. Uh, while one texter uh, only so far doesn't see a problem with this, uh, the majority do. 
Uh, David texting saying this is just disgusting and disgraceful a national figure in Irish history and a national hero for many in this country and to turn a picture of Michael Collins into an advertising method for a company is unfavourable and should not have been done surely the company now will have seen the great error in judgement that they might have thought was good at the time but not now. Uh, Cheap advertising is what David calls it while Maureen says that is very offensive. Uh, She hasn't seen the actual photo but uh, from hearing the description she feels it's offensive anyhow your views are welcome on that text or whatsapp 86 or call Bernie on 0818 uh, Liam is in Brough he says Dis- disrespectful is all it is to uh, Michael Collins but Nancy is in Bantry says the Michael Collins picture is in very bad taste but if it was an image of a Dubliner would there be as much uh, talk or would there be war over it? Uh, we wonder the reaction if it would actually happen if a Dublin person was in uh, the shoes of Michael Collins, says Nancy in Bantry on uh, Call Bernie on 08 103 103. Uh, a lot more of those coming in regarding that picture. I'll get back to those shortly. But just going back to something on the uh, we discussed earlier on in the show, and this is to do with Uber. At calls by uh, Councillor Sean O'Donovan uh, for the Transport Minister and the Transport Department to go now and meet Cork County Council and explain why indeed the Transport Department here in Ireland is what they are saying blocking Uber operating in this country. When you look at how in other countries across the world, it does work very successfully and indeed uh, complements the taxi service. Now, I I understand uh, from taxi drivers we heard earlier their point of view too. You can see why taxi drivers will be annoyed. They must pay for a a license. They must pay for basically an NCT version of it for a taxi every year or so. And all the various costs uh, that we've heard this morning that the taxis must ensure that they have this tap and go system in their taxi car and, and so much more. So uh, you can see why they, they would be on, uh, not in favour of Uber coming to the country because of what they have to pay. Uh, but just a number of examples of people who were unable to uh, get taxis or, or their stories. First of all, uh, this is uh, no name on this, but this person says, yes, I do think we need something in this country to help people uh, get around from A to B. And here's an example. Uh, this is for my daughter and her husband they went to Clonakilty from Inneskeen over Christmas and they were doing the right thing they got a taxi but it costed them 110 euros round trip so the taxis are quite expensive and that is indeed a round trip from Clonakilty to Inneskeen over the Christmas period uh, but then a Mill Street residence and, and there's always various sides and something we discussed earlier on as well uh, with uh, Councillor Sean O'Donovan uh, when we were discussing this earlier on in the show uh, this person first of all in Mill Street says listing about Uber and the lack of taxis well obviously I live in Mill Street and we have a great taxi man a new car and all is legal as you would expect but has anyone looked at this from the driver's point of view picking up drunk and abusive people after a skin full of beer it's not all easy as ringing for a taxi as the owner or driver has to decide to take the fare or not so maybe a shout out for our great taxi driver here in Mill Street John Hickey so hello to John Hickey uh, the great taxi driver in the Mill Street area and loved by so many there but it is a good point that we did raise earlier as well I mean it's very easy to say uh, there's no taxis but if you're a driver late at night you know would you like somebody 
getting into your car drunk or being abusive to you, which has happened. And I spoke to many taxi drivers uh, at the earlier part of December who said that to me. While there is a lack of taxis and many have retired from uh, the industry, a lot of it is due to the antisocial behaviour and abuse they receive. And that can be uh, late night from 10 o'clock to 2 o'clock in the morning and they just simply had enough of it. And you can totally see why. I mean, no one should be uh, dreading going to work or uh, stopping the car not knowing who indeed you are picking up. So you can see why uh, there is a lack of taxis. And I think the majority would agree with uh, those who do find themselves in that position. And Mikey is, uh, he says, often uh, has to travel uh, from Glanmire to Grona Broher, but sometimes he could not get a taxi. So he had to walk from Glanmire to Grona Broher. Uh, some bit of a trek, a lot of hills there. And he says a donkey and Hart would have done. He was so tired. So hello to you, Mikey. Uh, and that is a, a trek. Uh, and, you know, everybody's circumstance is different, but that just goes to show uh, the lack of taxis across our city and county. Somebody else though here does not agree with Uber and feels that they should not be allowed to come into this country. While another person, no name in this text, says, when I Google Eamon Ryan and Uber, I can't find anything. Uh, but when I Google taxi regulator and Uber, I find several references to the NTA and the decision to not regulate for Uber. So can you provide a source saying Eamon Ryan is against this? Well, going back to what Sean O'Donovan was speaking with us and, and his email, uh, they have asked Eamon Ryan to come in. And the reason they're mentioning Eamon Ryan is because, and this isn't only Cork County Council, at least County Council have done the same uh, back in 2020. And Eamon Ryan did meet with Uber in and around uh, June last year. And there was also a debate debate in the Doyle about uh, letting Uber operate in this country but the reason Eamon Ryan, the minister Eamon Ryan's name is mentioned it's because, of course, he is the Minister of Transport and he's the only one who can allow Uber to operate in Ireland. So while there's been calls for a long number of years, but more so from 2020 from local councils asking, can Uber operate in this country? And because it's over two and a half years now since discussions began, they're asking questions. Why is the Transport Department holding off on this and why are they not allowing uh, the Uber company to operate here in Ireland? And that's why in the last line of the email and what he said on air uh, Councillor O'Donovan did say that Minister Eamon Ryan he's been invited to go to Cork County Council's chamber uh, meeting and explain why his department are blocking Uber operating in this country because there's been meetings and there's been calls for the last two and a half years or more uh, and nothing has happened and the NTA and all those regulators, the NTA in particular, they're all under uh, the Department of Transport and while there's been meetings and meetings from the Transport Minister, nothing has happened. So that is why Eamon Ryan's name is mentioned uh, and that is why he is being called on, not only by Cork County Council, but on a number of councils across the country to ask why isn't he letting them operate in this country? understand the concerns from the taxi regulator uh, but why indeed is it not letting this go ahead. Uh, your views are welcome 0818 103 103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 and keep your pet questions coming for Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in your market. She'll join us very shortly 0818 103 103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie 
Kildare Community Developments they will hold their weekly lotto draw that's in the community office at 4 o'clock and this week's jackpot is 6,800 euro and bingo in Mallow GAA complex goes ahead tomorrow evening at 8.15pm the jackpot is 4,500 euros and all funds raised go directly back into Mallow GAA to help them with the running of teams and work on the pitches within the complex and a race night will be held in the old schoolhouse in Gary's on the Sheepshead Peninsula and that's going ahead on tomorrow no on Saturday the 14th of January and that's all in aid of the community air ambulance uh, that's on this coming Saturday the racing starts there at 8 o'clock there'll be a raffle on the night and some great prizes as well and Tio Park bingo that is cancelled for tonight and also the dance that was due to go ahead tomorrow night in Tio Park that is also cancelled as a mark of respect to the Hartnett family and the bingo is on as usual then next Thursday night the 19th of January at Tio Park Record today on C103 Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 086 103 And just a final few comments in first of all on Uber and a lot of people are saying one thing let Uber in it's healthy competition is what it's coming in on text one person here on text says my dad drove taxis and he'd put on traditional Irish music for the drunks if they were coming home late at night they'd have a sing song uh, and they would be in good form and on the way home they'd all sing along Uh, this person says it was safer too plus he might even get a tip so there you go Uh, trad music in the taxi and uh, it was a safer drive home plus indeed uh, making an extra few bob as that person says for the drunks who were getting the taxi uh, late at night thank you for your calls and texts on if Uber should or should not be allowed into this country debate that will continue I'm sure and something else that uh, is interesting and we all I'm sure remember the phone boxes remember the phone boxes over the years where uh, people would put in the, in the call cards or 20 cent or 20p maybe going back further uh, to use a phone box well a new survey is out this is a UK survey and it found that 60% of 18 to 29 year olds have never used a phone box some have never even heard of one while 47% never used dial up connection to the internet that old noise that you would be uh, trying to connect to the net and there would be a strange noise before you get connection well uh, let's hear more about uh, these particular findings Keisha Connolly has more for us the survey by YouGov in the UK found that 60% of people aged 18 to 29 have never used a phone box. That compares to less than 2% of people aged over 40 who have never made a call from a phone box. Derek Fay, author of Connecting a Nation, the story of telecommunications in Ireland, says phone boxes played a very important role in Irish society. For several generations of Irish society, because home phone ownership uh, rates in Ireland were quite low until the 1980s, so for many people, the phone box was their connection to the outside world via the telephone network. Nick Rankin, who runs the website irishcallcards.net says the concept of using a call card in a phone box would be alien to many aged in their 20s or younger. The idea of having a card and going into a phone box, it definitely would be alien to them that, you know, why would you do that? But certainly back in the day, call cards were quite an interesting piece of technology and Ireland actually were one of the first countries in the world to roll out chipped-based call cards or phone cards. Meanwhile, 47% of 18 to 29-year-olds have never used 
used a dial-up connection to access the internet. Only 51% of all adults still own a printed dictionary, while 26% say they've never owned a printed encyclopedia. There you go, the phone box, only a certain generation know about it. Let me know if you've any uh, stories from your time uh, trying to get home maybe from school or from a night out and using the phone box. Let us know, text or WhatsApp 86 2103 103. And an email in from Giblin GAA, of course, who have a, a big weekend ahead for them. And this is from Tom O'Donoghue, who says, we're all very excited in Giblin to be going to Crow Park on Saturday for the All-Ireland. So we are the only Cork club left in hurling and football and we have put together an Up for the Match programme that will be streamed on tomorrow night, Friday from 7pm and it runs for around two and a half hours. The programme features clips from celebrities, all from local schools, parents, past players, club officers and it just captures the excitement in the area and if you want to watch that link you just go to parktv.com forward slash events. The stream will cost five euro but all proceeds are going to the local GAA for all charity and I'd be delighted if you give you a mention so of course we will and best of luck to all there in Ballygiblin. Of course uh, Crow Park is the venue for them this Saturday for the All-Ireland Junior and Intermediate Club Finals that are taking place but in hurling it's Ballygiblin taking on Eski of Sligo and that's at 5 o'clock on this coming Saturday in the junior final and we wish all in Ballygiblin the best of luck with that game and I know so many over the last two to three weeks we've been speaking to here on air and off here are wishing you all the very best of luck so uh, best of luck to Belly Giblin and indeed with that a preview you're doing tomorrow night there online our lines are open your pet questions are welcome 0818 103 103 or you can text or whatsapp 0862 103 103 and on phone boxes Jer saying I used to use the phone box to get home from school if I missed the bus there was many days we stayed back even for extra lessons or sometimes you were back because some students were bold but Jer said nonetheless you'll be still running for the bus but there was times where we missed out uh, he remembers using the call card putting the call card in and hoping uh, that it would be uh, full of credits to make a phone call home while Linda remembers ringing the number of her home place so then her parents would know when to come into the, her town and collect her this was in Clannacilty but never put money into uh, the actual phone box because they figured out um, this might have happened in a few phone boxes but this phone box anyhow when you rang the number without putting any money in the phone on the other side would still ring uh, so they knew if I rang for three to four times it was me and they'd drive into the phone box and collect me in Clonacilty. There you go Linda. Thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 but it's to pet questions we go next. If you have a question for uh, Jane or something strange or wonderful going on with your pet in your household call us 0818 103 103 text or WhatsApp 0862 Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818-103-103. And we join Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. Good afternoon to you, Jane. 
Good afternoon, John Paul. And if anybody has a question for Jane, get those into us on 0818 103 103, or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And a first question in here, Jane, um, this one might be a bit of a strange one, but hopefully you can shed some light for this family. Uh, Jane, they have a 12-month-old cockapoo. Uh, it's adorable, but lately she has decided to snap at us. Now, they're horrified at this. She can be sitting beside them on the couch and when they reach across to rub her, uh, even while she's half sleeping, they, the dog sees their hands coming and sometimes can flash her teeth. Then they say that they never raised their hands to her or any dog over the years. But once she snaps, she seems mortified and is full of forgiveness. Now, they went to their vet on this and their vet told them that she could be going through a pseudo pregnancy. So could this be it? And would that change her personality so much so, Jane? It's possible that it could be a pseudo-pregnancy. So a pseudo-pregnancy is where the body thinks it's pregnant, but there's no actual pregnancy there. So you have all of the normal hormonal roller coaster that would normally come along with pregnancy. And it can change behaviour. Now, usually it's accompanied by other signs. For example, kind of the, the body will get ready for making milk. So the mammary glands will enlarge a little bit. Um, sometimes there is even milk there. Sometimes they will start hoi- hiding toys or creating little nests with pseudo-pregnancy, kind of getting ready for babies coming. But obviously there's, there's no pregnancy there. So it could be could be something like that. Um, they can become a little bit more snappy, uh, just not quite themselves with pseudo-pregnancy, but it's usually accompanied by other signs as, as kind of those as I've described. I would say before you let it kind of continue too far and it becomes an established behaviour, I would suggest seeking the help of a a veterinary behaviourist, kind of an appropriately qualified behaviourist. Maybe have a chat to your vet again. Um, If it is a pseudo-pregnancy, it may well run its course. Um, But if it's not, and I suppose safety first, we always need to keep everyone in the family safe it is best to to kind of get advice on how to tackle the behaviour. Now, that's different for every dog because it really depends on what may be triggering the behaviour. So you did a great first step in attending the vet because the first thing that would jump into my head if its own characteristic snapping would be, is the dog painful? Are they anticipating being touched and it being painful? But if you've been to your vet and he's happy that he or she is happy that everything is good and then it doesn't sound like the case, so maybe have a chat to your vet. I would always say that a kind of an appropriately qualified behaviourist, your vet is the first port of call to recommend somebody um, because you want to know who who's available in your local area. Now they are few and far between in the country, um, but they may be able to give you an idea of who to speak to or who in their experience would be would be good to help with a real issue. Because in some cases it can just be the slightest thing that might be setting them off and it may just be apprehension. They may not be being, be being overtly aggressive at all. It might just be fear for some reason or another. And as you say, it sounds like she's beautifully well treated in her home. Um, so, you know, don't lose faith. I think it's really important not to ignore the issue, to keep everyone safe, certainly to make sure all of the kids, if there are kids in the household are, are safe and kind of supervised whenever they're with the pet um, but I, I think it may be best to take take action on this earlier rather than later before it becomes a really established behaviour Okay hopefully that helps you there uh, and also this is Eileen in a carrying tool uh, she's got a stray kitten that came into her a number of months ago, the kitten now is over six months old but she wants to know what is the best way to potty train uh, this kitten now turning into a cat fast says Eileen uh, in the house I would say an adequate number of litter trays. A lot of cats, really, to be totally honest, pretty much potty train themselves. Um, 
if they have the right environment. So I, the rule of thumb is you always want one more litter tray than the amount of cats you have. So if you have one cat, you need at least two litter trays. If you have two cats, you need three litter trays. And make sure that the litter is changed regularly. So at least cleaned out uh, once daily of any kind of contaminated material. And then, you know, a, a good thorough clean out a number of times a week. So it needs to be a nice place for them to go because if it's smelly or dirty, they just, cats, cats are quite finicky with these things. They just won't want to use their designated bathroom. So so first and foremost, make sure you have enough litter trays and that they're clean with clean litter in them. Um, if your cat is, you know, if it, there is clean litter there, it might be worth changing your litter type. So sometimes wood pellets to a different type, tofu cat litter. It may just be that your cat has a preference. Um, normally, I would just say that if you leave enough litter trays available, most cats will naturally go to that because they'll, they'll want something that they can scrabble about and then dig in. Um, and, you know, in a normal house, that's few and far between unless you're providing a specific environment to it. If they are peeing everywhere, it might be time to think of another issue. So if it's a if it's a male cat spraying some marking of territory, in which case castration can help. Um, if it's a female cat or, or even a male cat, if he's already castrated, you'd be wondering, well, is there a urinary issue? Is there a bladder infection or bladder irritation that's making them pee inappropriately? So I would maybe try those tricks with the litter tray first. If the if your little kitten kitten fast becoming a cat is still not peeing in the right place, I'd see your vet. Maybe bring them a urine sample or they can help you with with, with organizing that and just make sure that there's no health reason for the for the misbehavior um because we don't want to do that little cat a disservice of, of missing out on something that might be able to to help them out medically okay and uh, somebody else on whatsapp uh, no name on this but they're saying their dog died last week so sorry to hear about that i, I know so, so many dogs really jane aren't they they become part of the household mm-hmm. so when a dog dies Thank it really you. is uh, a big effect for, for mm-hmm. any family uh, but they have noticed the other dog in the household seems to have gone into herself or himself um is this normal that if one dog dies the other dog dog could get very very quiet and, and go into themselves yeah, so my condolences. It's always really, really difficult to lose a treasured family pet. So, you know, take care. Um, it is really quite normal that the other four-legged members of the household, whether they be cats or dogs, can sometimes become very quiet. Sometimes they can even go off their food. Um, their whole whole kind of world has changed if their buddy has passed away. So their routine is different. They're not going for walks with their buddy. They're going for walks alone. They're not sleeping with, you know, their buddy next to them as company. They're they're sleeping alone. So there's big changes there. So they're going to miss their friend. So, you know, it's very difficult because we can't ask them. But a lot of the time we do see behavior that kind of is reminiscent of grief. So they will need time to, to process it. And the same as you and you or your family will need time to process the loss. So I would normally say just, you know, try and keep their routine as, as normal as possible, as far as you can. Um, maybe take them out for the odd extra walk. A good bit of fresh air and sunlight, a bit of distraction is, is really helpful. I would say time is, is the biggest healer on this front. And I suppose one thing that people often ask me is, well, should I get another dog? Should I get another pet as company? And, you know, you have to see if that's going to be the right decision for you, your family and the situation. But what I will say is don't rush into that. Make sure you you take some time to, to kind of, you know, grieve after the pet. But most importantly as well for the pet, that they have time to, you know, be getting back on their feet before there's a new introduction to the household. 
Okay. Okay, and best of luck to you there uh, with that. And Anna has uh, an interesting question here, Jane. This is regarding their herding sheepdog. And Anna says, when people come into the house or even arrive outside the house, uh, the dog herds the people, even if they're moving into the house. Now, she's not cross, but I'm thinking maybe she could nip. Uh, Any advice for, for Anna on this one? Okay, so this sounds like a, a great working sheepdog, but they're maybe a little bit too good. They're trying it out for the humans as well. Um, I think this is a really difficult one because your dog is just following their instinct. Um, and, and, you know, they probably think they're doing a, a great job for their for their host family, herding the people into the house. Um, I would say that there is a danger aspect in it because, you know, nipping is part of kind of the herding mentality, as it were. So I think you're right to be cautious. These dogs are extremely intelligent, extremely intelligent creatures. They can learn that, you know, when when to turn this behavior on and off to a degree, but it needs to be carefully managed. Very similar to one of our other callers, I'd recommend having a chat to your vet about, you know, a veterinary behaviorist or a dog trainer that comes highly recommended by your vet. Um, because a lot of the time, you know, it will take a little bit of work to be able to control your dog's behavior in that environment. But ultimately, they're not doing a bad thing in their eyes. They're, they're just following their instinct just being a really really good working sheepdog um, but it's just safety for us I think maybe have a chat with the dog trainer or behaviours and see what ways and what tactics you can use in your situation with your dog um, to try and get the behaviour under control so that it doesn't become an issue And uh, very finally Jane this is Lisa in Kinsale who's asking for dental advice because her dog's breath isn't smelling great, she wants to know can you buy toothpaste or even a toothbrush for dogs and how can you improve their dental health especially the smell Okay, so well done for noticing the smell. I think certainly there are several products on the market. Doggy toothpaste um, that's kind of chicken or beef flavoured is the way to go. But it's really important not to use human toothpaste because they can be toxic and they don't have used tastes that dogs like. There are specific doggy toothbrushes as well, and that can really help to maintain good dental health. But if your dog's breath is smelling, it's quite likely they already have some dental disease. So they may well have tartar buildup, so kind of a blackening or a graining on the teeth and calculus. And before you can really make any inroads into helping with the breath and helping their dental health in general, you'll need to visit your vet for an examination. They may recommend a scale and polish, so where they would have a brief procedure to remove all of the the bad stuff that's stuck to the teeth, the calculus, so that the gums can be healthy again. And usually that will get rid of the smell, but that needs maintenance. And you're bang on with saying your toothbrush and your toothpaste will be the way to go after that. But I think you may need a veterinary assistance to get you started and then it'll just be a case of maintaining it with the toothbrushing. There are diets on the market as well, dental diets that can help, but nothing is quite as good as as the good old-fashioned toothbrush. Okay, hopefully that helps you there, Lisa, in Kinsale, and thank you for your text. And Jane, thank you, and we'll chat to you again next week. Brilliant. Thank you, John Paul. Take care of that. That is Jane Pickett there. Uh, Jane is of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. When we spoke about Uber, huge reaction on this. First of all, uh, final few comments on Uber. Marguerite says, if Eamon Ryan has any sense, he will not allow Uber come here. Look at how many extra cars will be put on the roads at night. Uber cars will not need any extra checks, feels Marguerite. So they could not be roadworthy at all, she feels. Uh, while Sean says, when Eamon Ryan gave two 
280 million euros for cycleways and greenways parks to Cork County Council last year and then zero amount for road maintenance such as potholes. The green policy is all about making us walk, cycle, bus and train travel feel Sean. Cars will be gone so Uber hasn't a chance while Greens rule us uh, and Sean also says he feels uh, that the Greens do not want us driving cars powered by fossil fuels and wants them discontinued by 2030 so there's no hope for Uber they'll want us all in electric cars says Sean and I mentioned uh, phone boxes there earlier as well and a number of people came in with their stories of using their phone box but here's one that says hi JP we were very bold in phone boxes we'd ring the number and when it was picked up we'd push a wooden ice lolly stick into the slot and then get the call for free my dear lord I never heard that one but there we are uh, thank you for your text 0862 103 103 my thanks to Bernie Murphy who produced Patricia's back tomorrow from 10am I'm John Paul McNamara enjoy your Thursday afternoon a lot can happen in three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance United Healthcare tri-term medical plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states learn more at uh1.com even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.